Welcome to Luthier's Tale. I'm Ben Liggett, Luthier and owner of Liggett Guitars. Every episode, I interview someone that is passionate about their craft. This week, Eddie Wong returns with a more informal conversation rather than an interview. So if I babble more than normal, that's why. For more information on Eddie's amps and his newly released Quantum Zen, which you need to check out, visit eddiewonginstruments.com or follow him on Instagram at eddiewonginstruments. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me again. This is so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing it again. Yeah, well, so much to talk about. So, man, what have you been up to? You've been working on the Quantum Zen? Yeah, it's going to be releasing next week, I think. Uh, Scott sent me a message, and he said that uh, that uh, he, he went to pick up the guitar of mine that he loaned you, and he played it through the amp. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous sounding through the amp. Oh, good. Just the... Uh, Cause I, I think the the abstract that one the um the hollow body construction right with the yeah bridge block just has so much like high end detail it's it, it's glorious in that that high end range and then the quantum zen is like I made it so that it has way more bandwidth than most um, traditional designs yeah so like you can turn up that treble and you can get all that wonderful high-end detail that you know sometimes older designs might have might get lost in so it's there if you want it but um yeah and it was just he was playing it with a, a i think treble a little bit past noon and it was just it's just glorious you could hear her like you could hear the wood <laughs> it was, oh good good and you can you can almost hear his um that's how sensitive it is you know like you have that kind of a, a matte finish right yeah and sometimes it's like um sweater would rub against the back and you could hear that a little bit of that going through the pickups so that's That's kind of cool yeah that just shows how resonant that that guitar is yeah yeah uh i just finished um i don't know if you saw it but a a pink guitar and it was uh was that uh, instagram yeah yeah and it's a solid body and it's it's a it's chambered instead and I think okay. I just really prefer a, a chambered solid body compared to a, a hollow body. I think that one. I think it. I think it definitely does yes. the hollow body thing. You yeah. know, like I like it compared to other hollow bodies. But like, if I had to pick a guitar to play all the time, I think it'd be a a chambered solid body. Yeah, I think I would have to agree. Like, I I think like. Absolutely. Like as a main guitar, yeah, a chambered solid body would be. If I only had one guitar, that would be the one. Just because yeah. I think it can kind of do everything. Agreed. But if I could have three guitars, I would have a chambered solid body, a solid body, and a hollow body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, can definitely agree have that. a hollow body because I think they, they do something really weird and unique. Yeah, yeah, especially. Um, at the higher volumes, I like the, I like the extra feedback and stuff like that. I think that's fun. Yeah, and I think they just um, they make I don't know how to describe it, but they they make so much information 
mm. that I know if you're doing like riff rock, it can be almost like overwhelming or too much. Sure. But if you like learning how to control that information, it can do a lot more than I think most people think. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's just, sometimes it just puts out like too much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, but the thing I feel like a hollow body kind of lacks is in the, the attack of the note. Yep. You know, it just feels a little hollow. Well, I said that last <laughs> time we recorded, but it, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something missing in there. So you're wrapping up the, the quantum Zen or you say it's going to be ready for release. Um, you mean like you're ready to present it to the world or do you have a few done that you're yeah, we, off or, um, I'm doing them in batches. So like batches of five and 10. I don't know oh, why. Nice. Um, cause that's how probably how I can count. <laughs> <laughs> I got two hands. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the first batch of five, um, hoping to have it done before the end of the month. Um, you know, there's some people wanting it before the holidays. Right. Um, yeah. so, and then, you know, and then I want, I want to take a little break, you know, on the holidays and take a little breather and then to do the next batch of five. Um, yeah. And then I think that's, it's, it's kind of, it, it's tough because, you know, I, that's all handmade. So it's not like I can pump out a ton and, and just send them all over the place. So I'm trying to figure out, so I'm kind of holding on to it a little bit longer and then sending them all to like dealers and yeah. um, some people who have pre-ordered. Um, and then, yeah, so the, the first five, I think, are almost all spoken for. Oh, that's think, great. Except one. And then Heck the second yeah. five, there's there's been a lot of interest in that as well. So it, and, you know, it, it just kind of uh, pacing it too. You know, I don't want to, um, you know, I'm just a solo dude building all these by myself, everything from scratch. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I can put out a fair amount, but I don't want to be too bogged down and, and be in the hole too early. Right. Yeah. Well, when you build guitars, do you ever build in batches there? Sometimes like I, I currently have, um, two that I'm working on at the same time mm-hmm. only because, um, yeah, kind of, it, it's kind of same thing with amps. So like when I, I have like a little CNC machine, right. Yeah. So I'll set it up to to cut pine for the the cabinets. So you know I'll do like three um, panels at a time. You know three side, three left panels, three right panels, three top panels, three bottom panels, and that way I can kind of construct them. You know three at a time. Um, so it just makes it easier. Just saves a lot of time. Um, but then you know the the time consuming part is when you put it together and then you have to like make sure the finger joints are all tight and. Um, locked in together, sanding it, filing it, um, <clears throat> and getting all that fit and make sure everything's aligned just right. So that 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 takes some time. You know, that's a one by one, one at a time thing. Yeah. Um, so guitars are kind of the same thing. So like, if if I have a, um, so if I if I do like a a, a semi hollow with the top, right? And I have it set up to cut. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll get my wood all prepared so it's like one and a half inches thick. So I'll have the CNC machine cut or set up to cut that and I'll route the inside and the outside shape. And then, so I'll do two of them and then I'll do two tops. 
And then then comes the hard part because I I just use a CNC to kind of cut out the rough shape. Yeah. But then like and then I glue them together. Well, no, I, I sand it and file it and all that wonderful stuff. And then I glue them together, and then that's when I hand carve the the rest. So it's kind of a hybrid thing. But then when you know when I get to the hand carve, that's a one one at a time deal. I can't do two at a time. Yeah. So yeah, and, I you found, know every guitar is different. I, I found that with guitars, it really feels for me at least that two is kind of the magic number as far as batches. It's like I, I can do a large batch uh, with the CNC work, like you were saying. But as soon as it gets to the hand stuff, it's like I got to focus on one and kind of see it through. Yeah. To the end. I feel like even like with um, changes for a specific build that I have to make in a program for the CNC and cutting the body on the CNC, I feel like that all that work is still much less work than even finish sanding <laughs> yeah <laughs> i spend so much goddamn time finish sanding it's it's insane and i don't know how to get faster at it uh, it yeah i i'm in the same way that finish sanding is just that yeah for me takes the most time because then Gosh. like then you'll look at it with a, a magnifying glass and all of a sudden you'll see a little swirl it's like uh. oh <laughs> man then, or or you you, you like you think you're done. You, I'm holding because uh, I have one of my models is kind of a semi carved top, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is great. I can, you know, holding it and handling it and stuff." And then I feel a little weird bump. Oh come oh. on! Or sometimes um, maple too, um, especially the, the ones worst. with really drastic flame. Well, sometimes even after you already glued it and sanded down, they'll shrink a little, so you'll get like a little valley or a little mm. hump. And I was just like, "Yeah, in the flame." Part, yeah, in like the, flame. the low part of it. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking. And then about. I, I, the worst case scenario is after I finished it, then I noticed this is a little groove. I was like, "What the heck is that?" And so oh, I've made, just... I've made a lot of banjo necks when I was at Bishline Banjos, and you know, about a th- at least a third of them were maple, and uh, they would get these real, you know, I'd spray on the first set of coats of clear over like stained maple, you know. And you could see in the reflections those low spots, and you could certainly feel them. And so I would always have to uh, sand them with a a block going down the length of the barrel to get a nice flat surface. Otherwise, when you looked at it, you know, in the light, you know, we're we're looking for a gloss, perfect finish. And yeah, Yeah. it was. Thank God I haven't, uh, I don't do a lot of gloss these days just because I don't enjoy it much. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of gearing up for it. I got my buffer all set up. Yeah, it's a lot of buffing. Yeah, gloss is tough because you know you 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 have to get it all even, or it's really noticeable when one spot is not as glossy as the others. Yeah. Wow. And then burning through your finish, which I've done. Yeah. Um, don't enjoy it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at uh, at Bishline, they. All they used was UV uh, oh, finish. Neat. Yeah. And man, that is a game changer. And I went back and for this last guitar I built, I did a, a satin finish in um, nitro just because hmm. I thought, you know, <laughs> thought maybe the public would like that more. And working with that stuff, 
was so gummy. Yeah. Oh man. And then I'm just I I'm so spoiled and uh I'm a total convert. When I when I use this stuff, I'm like, this is from the past. This is not <laughs> not a superior finish. It's gonna flake off and 10 years anyways who cares what am i doing all this extra work for but some people love it yeah it nitro has a cool look it i've does. moved to, how does the how does the uv work is that what kind of um yeah, it is a it, it's a it's a thicker finish but um the way you do it is you spray three coats um you have to wait 20 minutes between coats to let it gas off okay and then so after your third coat, you put it in front of a UV light and I just have a little, like a little slow, I think it's like a, maybe a 10 RPM turntable from Amazon. Nice. And I just put my item on there and let it spin. And, uh, if I have a, something I need to hang like a neck or whatnot or a body, um, I will, um, uh, hang it from. Uh, a disco ball motor <laughs> that I buy and uh, and yeah, you just shine the light on it for, for uh, three to five minute sessions. And it usually takes, I usually do two or three sessions on it just to make sure it's super, super cured. Wow. Sand it. So easier. You're ready to finish sand and you're ready to spray again. You mean you don't have to wait like two weeks? Nope. <laughs> it's so sweet and and actually uh, a buddy of mine he's a he's a humidor maker uh he uh just started using a finish that is a a two-part catalyzed lacquer and he says that it's dry in an hour ready to finish sand with no uv what so i'm gonna start using that just for color like for a base coat okay um, and then it's not going to gas off underneath my UV later. So then I'm going to build up the UV over it. And, and I'm just going to use the UV because I can get such a high gloss finish, just wow. superior to um, anything else. And, and I've got more experience with it than the other kind. So. And then if you're like, have a little free time, you can hop in there yourself and work on your tan. It will tan you. <laughs> yeah. So when you order the thing, it comes with like a spacesuit, like a silver <laughs> yeah. spacesuit, and they want you to to hold the stupid thing with a little handle and like gear what? up and put goggles on and go in there and, <laughs> and cure your thing, which is ridiculous. Um, and and when, my, when my boss at the banjo shop, uh, Rob Bischlein, when he first got the system... His sleeve went up and he got a like a third degree sunburn on his wrist oh, no. from the thing. So it will burn the shit out of you. Wow. That that sounds dangerous. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I would much prefer to um set it, forget it, and go work on something else while that's doing this thing. Yeah. Wow, finishes. I uh what do you use? Um so it's kind of a long story. So I I, I'm pretty particular about my finishes more on the tonal aspect than like, I think that's one area where I'm kind of weakened in terms of looking, making it look like someone, you know, candied it or, or dipped it in, in plastic. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I started out with, you know, cause I, I work in a one car garage 
so mm-hmm. it's tiny. I don't really have space to, or a spray booth or all that wonderful stuff um, that I wish I had. Um, so I, I started doing stuff like um, uh, French polish. Yeah. And I, you know, it, and that really resonated with me because I, I grew up playing cello and in the classical world, finish is like everything. Mm-hmm. Not everything. Obviously, proper woods and construction is first, but having a good finish is that that part where you also you also judge an instrument based on its finish. Um, and, you know, it was well known that, you know, the thin French polish really helps these classical instruments resonate more, you know, because that's, that's where all your sound comes from. And um, I also, I, I'm, I don't, this is kind of weird because the reason I know, like, it makes a difference is because I expected the opposite. <laughs> so, like, uh, example is like uh, I I don't really like relic guitars. You know that was a huge fad, um, mm-hmm. or probably still is, right? Yeah, um, still is, still is. Um, and I just I just don't like the idea. I don't. I, I mean, if other people like it, I have no no judgment at all. It's it's your thing. I don't really care. Um, but for me, I just, I like new looking guitars. Um, but when I went to guitar stores and like tried hundreds of them, I always picked the relic guitars. Really? Like, it just like when I was buying my Fender Stratocaster, I tried all of them in the store. It must've been like the salesperson hated me. It was like 30 or 40 of them. Um, wow. Uh, this is, yeah, Chicago. they definitely hated you. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and I was like, I wanted the, the, what do they call it? I know I finished the new looking stuff, right? Yeah. But it was always the relic ones that sounded the best to me. And I was really, even I with an electric. Want it. Yeah. Even with electric. Uh, and, and this is where I came to kind of figure this all out. So thing out. Um, so I, I remember there was a couple guitars where I had finished with French polish and in my mind, French polish was like, I can make it thinner and it would resonate better. Mm-hmm. And I had these two guitars that were really good. They sounded really great. They had a really thin French polish finish, but I just didn't like the color. So I was like, uh. so I remember stripping one of them. And um, I read that, um, uh, who was it? White Sky Guitars. They, he uses a uh, poly X Osmo poly X. And I was like, oh, give this a try. So I, I rubbed that on and I was expecting it to be worse. And it opened up the guitar immensely. Like it went from being just a good guitar to a, like amazing guitar. Like I that thing sold in about like two days, like three people tried and they all want to buy it, but only one person had enough money. Um, and well, now what's the difference between it and the French polish now? Oh, so it's an oil base. So it, it's, it's like, um, Made in Germany, I think, or somewhere in Europe, and it it the the idea is that it soaks into the top layer of the wood and then hardens it. So mm. it's not necessarily like a coat, but more like a surface treatment. Right, and it does coat a little bit. So it's a surface treatment and a slight small coat. Yeah. Um, but it it because it hardens the surface, it may it I think the guitars just resonate a little bit more. And you know I've. Uh, yeah, I'm bragging a little bit, but I've always had like really sensitive ears, uh-huh. like, even loud music. I, I can't, that's probably why I started the voltage, uh, the, the wattage control of my amps is, um, I <laughs> don't like loud because I, I could hear a lot. And, you know, my cello teachers would comment a lot about how I can hear the little beat notes and the little harmonics are that they have trouble picking up. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, 
I remember just hearing the difference and I was like, no way. Cause I, I was expecting it to be worse. And so I did this with another guitar and same thing. It was a little bit better. Um, and I think maybe that's why I veered like, um, you know, when I go guitar shopping, I always end up picking out the, the relic guitars, you know, not I, the ones that are too relic. I just, even though, even if they sound better, I, I still won't buy them. Um, but uh, it, it, there was something to it, just having a thin finish. I think it was just that is because maybe it's because when someone relics a guitar, they actually pay attention. They have to pay attention to the finish process. Um, but yeah, for me, so like I, I, I've always, um, the, the, the only downside is that it's not as tough as a traditional mm-hmm. or nitro finish. So if sure. I, if I'm in a punk band, I, I wouldn't bring that to, you know, if I'm, you know, but then at the same time, you know, I, I Again, this is this is no judgment on other types of finishes because I, I, I still have thick nitro guitars I I love, um, and they have their own sound. It's yeah, it, that's the thing. It's like, it's not really better. It's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, every finish imparts a sound, but it's not not better or worse. It's just different. Well, there's some that are worse, like the really thick, two inch thick poly. <laughs> yeah, stuff that you, that's just worse. Um, but the among guitars that were made with care. Um, I don't think they're better or worse, but I like the sound of this um, Osmo oil that I use. Osmo oil. And how long does it take to dry? Uh, about eight hours. And how does it sand afterwards? Uh, horribly. <laughs> no. yeah. it's, yes, you have to. So that's a, that's a catch. It has to, the, the, the surface has to be perfect before you apply this thing. Yeah. And that, that's where... Um, I wish I had a spray booth and I wish I knew how to do other stuff like that. UV sounds super interesting or even uh, nitro um, because yeah, you're saying the sanding process is, is horrible. It's even worse for this because I really have to go in with, you know, finer and finer sandpaper and, mm-hmm. um, and make sure there's no blemishes because even if there's just um, a, not even a scratch, but even like a, let's say, uh, two two twenty grit, right? Mm-hmm. That's not even small enough because when you when the oil sets in, you can see those little tiny yeah scrapes. So it it's a pain in the butt. It, it triples my sanding time, definitely for sure. Yeah, but I don't have to wait two weeks. I apply yeah, one thank, coat, thank um, let it dry for eight hours. Apply the second coat, let it dry for eight hours, and apply a third coat, let it dry for eight hours, and I'm done. Um, I I might buff it a little bit hand buff it just because it, it won't take a buffer very well. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's, uh, and you can lightly wet sand it afterwards. Um, but it's really thin. It's yeah. I don't I know don't if you'd it. like the UV or not. Your ears might be too sensitive because, Oh, I'm not that so it, it sounded like I was bragging, but well, it, no, it's, it's, it's true because there's sometimes, um, at least, like, this is something uh, Rob Bishline and I would talk about a lot. And we, our conclusion was, at least between the nitro and the UV, and the UV is, is a poly. It's just not applied, you know, in Indonesia, super, super thick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, where you can get an extremely thin yeah. 
finish with it. And and I even did a, a, a finger style acoustic with it and it yeah. did not dampen it. It was one of the loudest guitars I've ever heard in person. Awesome. See, that, it, that's exactly what like, yeah, you, you get me. It, <laughs> you, but it's like, you know, maybe, maybe it does dampen it some, I mean, it's got to, um, but I feel like if you, if you get a similar thickness, you'll probably have a similar result, at least between the nitro and, and that, you know, what I really want to try is the, um, I think it's a brush on varnish that classical instrument ma- makers use. Yeah. And it gets that real crackle look. It's almost like the relict world of, um, classical instruments. Yeah. Have I, you, have you seen that stuff? Um, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Although I, I've seen a lot of like French polish variations, which is similar. It may, so, it uh, might be French polish. Cause I, I don't know <clears throat> enough about, um, what finishes they use, but I really, really want to try that on that redwood top guitar. Oh, I bet I've got it would going. kill it. It would be awesome. Yeah, French, I, I, I don't to... think French polish is just my favorite looking finish mm-hmm. because it like the way it soaks in the wood and 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 brings out the the flame or the figuring. Mm-hmm. I just. I haven't found another one that does it as well as that. Or maybe it's just, you know, the way I like it to look, you know, because I did grow up in the classical world, that's just what I expect to kind of have sure. that kind of like agey yellowish, amberish hue to it. Yeah. I, I want that along with the the little fine crackle. Look. Yeah, I love the crack. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think you might have to get like a flamethrower. No, flamethrower. <laughs> maybe you have to get torch. A torch. Or something. I heard some people do it that way. Can you do the whole freezer and a heat gun trick like you <laughs> do with nitro? Maybe. <laughs> I, I think well, you, you don't have... like relics, so you you haven't looked into that too hard. I, I I like the crackle. What you're talking about, like yeah, the relic. My favorite relic guitars were like I don't forgot what they're called, like NOS series or something, um, where they make it look like it. The nitro cracked over time. Yes, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not one for uh, gouges and all that, but the no. uh, but yeah, just like that crack a perfect finish, especially with like a subtle flake or sparkle, yeah. and it's all cracked. Oh yeah. man, yeah, and, Mar- and you, marron, that's the best. <laughs> if you, I mean, to to be straightforward, honest, right? Like we're talking about finishing and how picky I am and stuff like that, and I really am. I, I know that I'm half full of BS, but anyways, um. If you show me a like vintage uh, white, what was it called? Olympic white Stratocaster with that crackle in the finish, I might buy it. I mean, it, it's one of those where that's Ooh, probably I, my favorite looking guitar. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen the crackle in white. That would be really nice. I had I had a. Uh, had one in, um, I think it was a Danicaster in the vintage yellow. It's mm. not quite white. <laughs> so almost white. Um, and I sold that. I'm sorry. But why yeah. Did it, you, why did you do it? Well, because it wasn't white. Oh. It had to be Olympic white. <laughs> it, there's the thing about Olympic white Stratocasters that just, you know, it 
tickles me the right whatever i just i'd have to have one someday i yeah i did a refinish for a guy in olympic white it's a good color that's the bluish one right uh, probably <laughs> i forget there's a couple it's it, i, I know, did one that was Wayne's almost World. baby blue Ooh, uh that that's the other sonic blue well, would, this this was a white. It was a re-ranch thing, too. So I, I know it was a um, one of the Fender colors. Anyways. Yeah. But if, yeah, if you, I mean, I always, I love my flame maples, but yeah, that Olympic white. You know, now, Excalibur from Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably what imprinted in my brain forever. Of course. Subconsciously. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just can't. Now I'm just thinking, swing. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong uh, with that. Yeah, man, I'm almost thinking like Olympic white with crackle, and maybe like rub some shoe polish over it so the cracker <laughs> stained a little bit. Oh, uh, is no, that I got... is that good or bad? Did I no, go too I, far? I, no, I think you're you're making me want to invest in a spray booth. Okay, good. <laughs> You're giving me ideas. Oh, have you? Uh, I, I've brought him up in another podcast with somebody, but have you seen Nacho Casters? Um, yes. He is by far the best relicer I've ever seen. Gotta look this up really quick. Nacho. Um, he, interesting story. He is like a billionaire inheritor of a plastics company in some South American country, I believe. Yeah. And he, so he owns a lot of fifties fenders and he will take those. And I mean, he's trying to copy exactly what they look like now. And, uh, and he'll have like a batch of guitars sitting around and there's no time frame. He just works on them till they look perfect. And oh. they and they are so cool. I would love that kind of lifestyle, just to be able to take my time with everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Nacho Guitars on uh, Instagram. Yeah, but but talk about Crackle. Oh yeah, I especially I like his. Um, it's a forty nine prototype Pinecaster. Oh, nice. That is just like one of the greatest things ever. Have you ever tried pine as a body wood? I haven't. Um, although, well, I went to a guitar show one time and a guy a couple booths down from me, all he did was sell Telecaster bodies, basically. And his number one seller was pine. Huh. Have you tried it? I, I've tried one. What do you think? Um, I think it was by LSL. Um, it was different. It definitely had a interesting plunk to it. <laughs> I don't know how you describe tone, like a plunkiness. Yeah. That, that was I, really I, fun. It, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I've considered doing one in uh, Spruce at, at my local Ooh. Woodcraft they kind of have a expanded wood section. Um, the guy that owns it basically started another company and put it next door 
as a wood store. Hmm. And so they've got kind of a much more selection and they had some eight quarter um, Sitka spruce. And it wasn't clear enough to resaw acoustic guitar tops out of. Yeah. But uh, it would have, it's perfect for guitar bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I always, I'm always like hesitant a little bit with softwoods. Yeah. You know, because uh, you look at a funny old ding itself. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you push your thumbnail it. into it easy. Yeah. It just even, you, like before you even put finish on it, I'm like treating it like it's made of glassware, <laughs> um, or worse because it's you. Yeah, you drop your pick on it. There's a dent. Um, yeah, but they 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 do have a cool sound. Um, like even even like alder is on like borderline of as soft as I'll go. Um, but. But yeah, they do have a cool. It's almost like the the bandwidth is a little narrower, but there's more in that range. Sure. I don't know how to describe it. And it could just be that one that I tried. Of course, that's a great yeah. scientific uh, uh, judgment there. <laughs> Good sample size. Right. I know. Uh, speaking of finishes, uh, um, um, it it does finish really cool. Like, uh, I think. Was it Novo Guitars also does? Yeah. Yeah. The way it kind of sinks into the grain. Yeah. A lot. I like more that than, too. Yeah. I, I do as well. Almost, almost as much as a uh, uh, crackle, but not, not as nothing can be crackle for me. Um, Or that. Yeah. And also swamp ash. I really love seeing the grain and I, I, I don't even, I don't know if you, um, what you do. Cause I just, I just tried out your guitar. But like so a lot of times I won't even uh, grain fill swamp ash just because I like it when the, and it's easier when I, with the Osmo oil because it'll sink in and grain fill automatically, mm-hmm. but it'll, it'll still be a valley, but I, I kind of like that texture and that kind of look, yeah. almost yeah. like a raw wood look. I like yeah. that too. Well, you're, you're, um, speaking of finishes, you're the, the abstract tea that I got to try out. You said uh-huh. that was just like a, a pour fill, and then you put like a you use linseed oil. It's linseed oil, yeah. So interesting question. Well, interesting. Maybe you've answered. I'm sure you've answered this plenty of times. But if you if you could only like have one guitar, what would you pick? Oh, just like a of the standard ones. Any guitar in the world. Oh. Only have one, huh? That's tough, man. You know, I don't know. I'd probably take like David Gilmore's Black Strat or something. Ooh, good one. I think I need a tremolo. Like if I can only have one guitar, I really think I need a tremolo. I'm not a Les Paul guy. I know there's lots of wonderful 59 Les Pauls in the world. I know a lot of people would say like Greeny or something like that. But... I could kind of care less about Les Pauls. Um, yeah, yeah, it would probably be something like that, or or it might be something I would build that would be stratty. Hmm. What about you? That's a good answer. I like that. Thank you. I think uh, I didn't fail. Was this a? It, yeah, was, was there that, a right it, answer? <laughs> yeah, it, it's like one of those uh, um, personality tests. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) 
That yeah, I mean, I I, I would be if I had oh, your pick, I'd be and, and it would have a humbucker in the bridge. I should mention. Ooh, that. well then that wouldn't be Gilmore's. No, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, it would be a strat with a humbucker in the bridge. It would probably be chambered. <clears throat> Ooh, chambered. Um, nice. And I might not have a maple neck. Uh, after this last guitar I built, I'm kind of partial to the walnut neck. I might have a walnut neck. Oh, nice. What 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 kind of like differences do you feel between the walnut and the maple? I think it's stiffer. Yeah. I think it, it's just like rock freaking solid. And I really like the, the way it feels um, when it's oiled, you know, kind of that natural feel. I like mm-hmm. to keep my necks pretty natural. I use um, a walnut for my bindings. Um, and I oh, make yeah. um, pick guard, um, pick up rings for the humbuckers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do a lot in walnut. And yeah, I love the material. Yeah, it's. But I haven't thought about it for a neck before. That's that's cool. I was yeah, going to actually it, put it, make it as a uh, use it as a inlay or fretboard markers uh-huh. on a, on a maple neck, maple fingerboard yeah, neck. That's good contrast. But I, I didn't know about how um, durable it would be to you know on a fingerboard. You know, if I was using it as like a um, fretboard markers or something like that. Yeah, you could definitely get away with it. Uh, yeah, I think it should be okay with. It. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've done those before in uh, custom banjos, and, huh. and they were fine. Yeah, you you can get over time like a little bit of um, shrinkage and stuff, um, and to where you might feel it a little bit, but you can you can address that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the the humbucker and the 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 bridge pick, because I. It, that's like one of my thing I keep um, exploring, but keep going back to the original format. Oh, for strats. Yeah, I don't know why, but I think I like I, I've I had a strat that had a humbucker in the bridge. Um, mm-hmm. I even put a gold foil in there before P ninety, um, uh, hot air bridge, like those really hot, overwound, whatever. Um, I think. The humbucker, I have trouble with, uh, unless you put it on like a different pot or something, just the, 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 the load on the pot difference, um, is kind of weird, but then I don't know. I, I keep going back to like just that original strap pickup. Yeah. Do you like the bridge in a strap? Not, I think for me, it's, um, I, I tune my amp to match the bridge mm-hmm. and then I, then it works for me. I mean, the 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 neck pickup, which is what everyone loves on the Strat, um, will be a little bit too woofy. But I I just changed my playing a little bit. But I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not saying I like that's the best or whatever. I just I just keep finding myself going back to it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, there's there's something weird about. Like, I'm not totally happy with it because obviously I keep trying <laughs> other stuff. Yeah. If I was totally happy, I would never try a humbucker there or, or P90 or whatever, but I do. Um, well, my yeah. all-time favorite bridge or bridge neck pickup configuration is um, a Lawler, um, the Lawlertron in the bridge, which is a very low output humbucker. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
I think it's like four and a half. That's awesome. Super low. And and it's a little brighter than most humbuckers. Um, and then a 52 Tele um, neck pickup. Oh. So that combo is my favorite. So if I only had to have one guitar, I would definitely do some kind of low output humbucker. Okay, nice. Um, I, I've never cared for hot humbuckers, really. I'm the same way. Uh, people go for it, and in, especially in like the high-gain kind of world. Yeah, when things uh, are already so compressed anyways, I don't think maybe yeah. it doesn't matter as much. I, I, I can't stand the, the lack of dynamic dynamics. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, have you heard samples of the Fluence pickups? Um, no, there, I think they're, they might even be active, uh, pickups. I forget. Uh, they're a, I think Fishman makes them. Okay. Um, but the, they're like all the rage in the extended range, kind of like modern metal. Yeah. Guitar I, I think world. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And they just, I, I've heard one artist make them sound good and, and he plays with his fingers mostly. And it's very like tactile poppy um when i say poppy i don't mean like pop music but like uh uh rapid succession of notes kind of playing it's kind of like mm-hmm. stuff like that where you get like this extreme note separation that's good for that style but just on the whole like god they just sound god awful to me <laughs> they just sound thin yeah. and like it's like they're going for I don't know what they're going for. Going I really for perfect, don't. like perfect I, sine wave or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. But but yeah, you put a, a set of like low output, um, yeah, lollers and, and put any kind of high gain pedal. I mean, I'll play some ripping metal and it'll sound incredible. Great mm-hmm. tone. Yeah, I'm a big fan of low output humbuckers. Yeah, I, I think this is where I'm weird. Um, Actually, um, so you know, like, um, I I really like neck humbucker tones. Yeah, I Just do too. That that low output, obviously, you know, for me, I prefer low output neck humbucker, really chimey, um, and it just has that really beautiful kind of bell like bloom. That yeah, I dig. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like them too, and and I find that a a neck humbucker and a neck single coil are less different than the bridge similarities. You know what I mean? Than than um, single coil bridge humbucker bridge, those seem wildly different to me. Whereas the humbucker neck single coil neck, they're they're more similar. Do you agree with that or no? Yeah. The bridge definitely is way wilder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just I that think... less less uh distance of um picking up it's like the sensor distance is less, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it totally it's not makes spanning sense. two coils. <laughs> And there's not overlapping reflections as much or, or, or where I guess the nodes and stuff of them are. Or, yeah. It, 
don't know, I think maybe that's why I always gravitated towards like a, a telly. Because with the, the telly neck pickup, I know a lot of people don't like it. But if you find a good one, and this is not true with all tellies. There's tellies where I just absolutely do not like. But like having a, if you find the good one, that one is like, for me, the perfect balance. Because the, the neck is so different than the bridge. And yeah. you can get jazzy humbucker-like tones with that neck pickup in the telly. It has that kind of mid-range push, but it has like the dynamics that um, single coils have that sometimes you, you you lose a little bit of in the humbucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that that's for me is what I think what does it for me. I, I do like, I, I go back and forth though, because sometimes humbuckers, especially low output ones that are designed really well, um, you know, people say single coils have more dynamic range because you can push them harder and they have a higher headroom or it feels like. Um but I, I feel like because a humbucker, yeah, I live in a really noisy house, like mm-hmm. single coils buzz like crazy in here. It's awful mm-hmm. because I won't do any um, amp demos anymore because it buzzes so loud. People are like, whoa, your amp is noisy. I was like, no, it's not the amp. It's single coils. Um, but like the, the humbuckers will make me play, let me play quieter. So I can yeah. do that really quiet, low stuff that sometimes I can't get away with in a single coil just because it's too noisy. So I, I feel yeah. like the dynamic range is for me is very similar for a good humbucker because I can play not as, not as like hard as a single coil, but I can play softer. I'll agree with that. You know, I really like, like on my, um, on my Jersey girl, it's got two humbuckers. Oh yeah. The Jersey girl. Yeah, 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 and I love tuning that into open tuning and playing like my finger style stuff. I would normally play on acoustic. It, it just sounds incredible on uh, with the, with the humbuckers. It's just much more like dynamic, and I don't know. Uh, it the bloom is great, and strumming open chords and all that. Yeah, I just really, I really dig it for that. Wow. And yeah, I mean that. And different guitars just make you play different. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. That's Absolutely. Why, uh, yeah, because I I played a Strat for like almost two decades. That was like my guitar, and then then I was like, I just need to move on, <laughs> and <laughs> and I got a Telly, and that was that was it for me. I was hooked on Telly, and yeah, I, I've never really been into Les Pauls either. Yeah. I do appreciate them. Like there's some tones that I wish I could get. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I always I, in my builds and stuff, I have one that that's a semi hollow. Uh, Scott came and looked at it today. He it's uh he thinks it's uh, my best looking design so far. Um, but nice. it's a it's a semi hollow single cut, kind of like a Les Paul, but it's a little bit bigger, a little bit more Gretchy influenced. Um, but you know, so I'll make those because I I, I keep wanting a ideal Les Paul tone, my mm-hmm. ideal. Do you um, have the same neck angle and all that with these? Uh, no, I'm doing um, a straight neck angle, not angled. I see. Because I, I, I don't know. I have my thoughts <laughs> that I'm <laughs> not, it could be total BS, but I having none, no neck angle you know, like Fender does it, mm-hmm. even if it's not bolt on, I think that I'm going to, um, 
glue this one in. Um, it the body the guitar vibrates differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. because you know when you have that neck angle, you're kind of forming a little arch, and you know we know that arches are strong or resist bending more in certain ways, and so having that neck angle to me seems like it it's in the it's right in the middle (laughs) and i'm sure like it affects the tone again this is one of those things where it's not i'm not saying it's better or worse it's just different but i'm I'm going with a straight um zero angle because i'm thinking that it will vibrate the way i like it Mm -hmm. more i think that's fair it's a more open type of vibration at least from my experience of building and experimenting, I get all my, all my, well, not all. Um, I, I used to do like Les Paul-ish builds and then I went to my latest, I think you saw my website, the Altair, and I did a ton of that and that is a flat angle and it just does something that a Les Paul doesn't do. Yeah. Um, I don't, hard to describe what it is, but it, it just, it seems like if, seems to vibrate a little more freely. Um, and have a hmm. little bit of a more woody airiness to it. I wonder if if a Les Paul had a 25 and a half inch scale, if you would still think that. No, I, I, I've tried different scales and it, it's the same thing. Because the, really? the Altair is actually a 25 inch scale, so it's closer to a Les Paul. Um, I see. No, I mean like on a standard Les Paul. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? With the angle, if it was that longer, if it was a fender scale, but with that same angle, if you would, if it would vibrate um, in a way you liked more or, or less. Oh yeah, I, I used to own um, actually two of them uh, a while ago. Hammer, the USA ones, the the Hammer USA Custom made of like um, the lo- lawsuit era Les Paul or something. Sort of no, it was maybe. <laughs> It was uh it was called the Monaco three. Okay. It was like a um kind of like a, a bigger Les Paul by a semi hollow single cut, but it had a twenty five and a half inch scale. And it had that angled neck. Oh I love that guitar. That was beautiful sounding guitar. But oh. so again, not very scientific. That's just from my sample of two. <laughs> Better than yeah. one. Um was it, it a hollow body? Still vibrated, thing, not that way that I my straight neck angle ones vibrate. Yeah, it was a semi hollow body, so okay. I had the block in the middle that ran all the way to the tail. But, I see. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, that was a gorgeous guitar. It was almost like a super strat, but it, it had that traditional neck angle. Um, I don't know. It, it, it again, it could also. Again, everything makes a difference. It could be the bridge because when you have a flat one, I, I tend to use Tele style. I, I use uh, ones made by Schroeder, so it's still aluminum base with uh, um, brass saddles. You know, the, the mm-hmm. Tone Pro stuff, I, I use aluminum as well with the, the brass saddles as well. So material-wise, it's similar, but the way that's mounted, obviously, is really different. So that that could be making the difference, but... It could, Yeah. But then again, you know, um, I'm not totally convinced that um, that idea is right. (laughs) 
One thing too, so this is kind of weird, but my my Jersey girl is a Les Paul style, but it is by far my favorite Les Paul I've ever played, but it's really not very Les Paul-y. And it has a wraparound bridge. Oh, wow. I think there's something to the wraparound bridge versus the stop tailpiece thing. Oh, definitely. You know, it just makes more sense vibrationally, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's like a like an arch top versus a a flat top, you know? Well, flat top guitar, it's like cranking that it's torquing the the bridge. Mm-hmm. R- rotational force versus an arch top is like pretty much downward force only on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, bridges definitely make a huge difference. I mean, not not um it it it's like uh <clears throat> excuse me i was uh working with birch making um birch baffles and i think mm-hmm. i'm allergic to birch dust Uh-oh. I, I do have a tree allergy so or pollen allergy i think maybe it's similar enough so i, I get a little stuffy when i work with birch mm-hmm. um what was i gonna say oh yeah um bridges uh there's, I have um, uh, a few tele bridges that you can either route it um, either through the body or top load. Yeah. And even just changing that, I can hear a difference. Really? I haven't tried that yet. I need to do that just to see. So even if, if, if something as small as just changing where you mount the end pins of the strings, um, you can hear a difference then yeah, a, a different bridge will make a, a, a significant difference. It, it, yeah, the, the, um, it's weird because I, I, um, through body, I would say it has a little bit more high end, a little more low end. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, uh, uh, I forgot what we call it. Stop tail. Um, yeah. Or top load, top load. Um, it, it's a little bit more woodier. A little less bottom, a little less top, but a little woodier. Really? A little airier sounding. Oh. Yeah, Air, airier makes sense. Yeah. I think there's also a little bit less downward pressure on the saddles. Yeah. Yeah. The <clears throat> you know, obviously, because when you have the through the body, the, the string pressure is also pushing it, the bridge against the body. Um, mm-hmm. The normal forces are, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, so you have a little bit. Yeah, it's a little airier sounding, and you know, like it. I I like both. I don't I don't have a preference for one or the other. Um, but I can see that some guitars may benefit more with one than the other if it's like already too airy and you need to anchor that thing down. Yeah. Hey, are you familiar with the angle coming off of um, the saddle on an acoustic guitar? that goes into the, the oh, bridge yeah, pins. Yeah. Um, do you know the, the slot that repairmen will add so that, uh-huh. that that string is straight rather than crimped there right? where yeah. it meets the bridge pin? I mean, just that little difference makes a, a big tonal difference. Yeah, I can imagine. I haven't, ha- yeah. I haven't experimented with that in acoustics, but yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, and it's such a quick little trick you know a little saw just to um kind of put a little slot in there would you say it it 
it's an improvement or is it just different? yeah a big improvement <clears throat> yeah wow. it, in school, they called it the dangle angle. <laughs> you want to have your dangle angle just right. And, and Nice. But yeah, you want that where it hits the saddle, you want it going straight to the bridge pin. If it's going to the bridge pin and kind of crimping over a little bit, huh? Um, you want to, you want to slot the, your, your ebony there so that it can make that clean, straight, line and that's the kind of a similar clean straight string that's going into the 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 bridge holes of the telly for mm-hmm. the for the back load what do you call it oh yeah yeah for the string through yeah string through yeah 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 that oh where do I set mine up I usually set mine up so it's not too bad um but yeah I can I can see where that yeah it has a little bit more um <clears throat> Uh, a tighter sound. Okay. Don't know if tighter. I haven't right experimented word. with those two. I really got to try that now. Yeah, I mean it. It's so easy. It's just there's some people who um who make it so that um the telly bridge has both holes, the the top load holes and and the through string yeah. through. Yeah, and most of them do. It's worth a try. It, it's pretty. I I find it made a difference, especially with um. I I, I was doing. I did three. For this one guy, uh, custom set neck tellies with a short scale, so twenty four and three quarters um, set neck tellies, uh, and I had a couple uh, that were just top loaded, and it it really kind of brought out that kind of like airy acousticness of of the the, the guitar. Huh. Just having I'm surprised that... you liked it better. I would assume it'd be much worse. <laughs> No, it's different. Good. There was one. I think there was one that could do both, and and that's why I experimented. And I was like, yeah, they, I liked it both ways. But there's there's with that short scale, it made it a little bit more. Yeah, just a little bit more acoustic-y sounding. Uh, acoustic-y sound is the wrong word, but you know that that kind of woody airiness. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and also I think the string tension is a little touch lower, or not. Okay, it, it's not the string tension slower because that doesn't make sense. Um, it, it it's easier to bend probably because the strings can move on the saddles a little bit more than it can if it was just anchored down like in this through body. Oh. Um, so it feels a touch slinkier. Okay. Um, I could see that. Yeah, but then you know that 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 area definitely affects the tone. I mean, that's why like jazz masters have that oh, cool sound yeah. with that long length of string between the bridge and the yeah. the, the tailpiece i, I mean, really want to make a guitar with one of the with a pickup and a blend knob oh, under yeah. that extra space yeah i, I knew it's been a cool trend that. um uh ryan miller he, he put one in between the bridge and the tailpiece uh, of gold foil it's mm-hmm. a cool sound um and then yeah i mean just just you know because i i grew up in cello world uh here i go again um <laughs> so boring with the classical music uh i but, like classical yeah me too <laughs> um but bridges i mean in in that world we know that bridges make a huge difference just the material it's made of um but also there's this bridge post yeah that is just a th- post of wood it's just a dowel um that literally is under the bridge 
that pushes against the back. Um, On the treble side, right? And that that's slightly on the treble side. And here's the thing. I remember one time I actually dropped my cello. Never do this. Um, didn't drop it hard, but it moved the pin. And mm-hmm. my cello sounded awful. It was right before a concert. I was like, oh. And I remember experimenting with where this thing was. I mean, just like a millimeter move. It was like all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, and then we, there's this other thing that we use. It's, it's called a mute. It's like a real rubber little thing that we put on the bridge sometimes if we want to like quiet down our cello a little bit. But mm-hmm. really cool thing is sometimes we hang it. Well, actually, all, all the time. Um, we hang it on that that part of the string between the bridge and the, the end pin. Um, what? It's like a little rubber thing. It's called oh. a mute. You you like uh-huh. pop it on the bridge, it the clamps on the on bridge when you need to like play orchestra parts really quietly. Um, I got you. But when we're not using it, we have I have it hanging it on the uh, oh, which string is it? It's been so long. G string, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have it hanging on the G string. By the way, if you're just tuning in just now, we're we're talking about cellos, not <laughs> wherever <laughs> your uh, gutter brain is right now. Uh, um yeah so yeah hang on the g string because that it that it eliminates some uh overtones that we don't like i see so that that section of string yeah makes a huge difference yeah of course cello is an acoustic instrument versus electric but you know it it all makes a difference those little vibrations isn't it great that it's like (laughs) such an infinite thing we've decided to pursue it's never ending (laughs) <laughs> or, or is that maddening? Yeah, <laughs> it's rabbit hole after rabbit hole. It's just like everything makes a difference. Mm-hmm.